Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Nintendo Everything Refresh, a very special episode, episode 52. It has been a year's worth of episodes, which is very exciting. Um, if this is your first time listening, we are here to keep you all up to date on everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. And we got a full cast today, which is also very exciting. I'm joined by Tom Chaplin. Hello, I'm back. Back again. I think We're it's so the first time I'm two weeks in a row. I think <laughs> that's a new one. Yeah, I, I think you might be right about that. Um, we've also got Nicholas Shade, who we're very used to having around. Here. Hello, everyone's tired of me at this point. <laughs> no, Nicholas, we're, I don't we're think so. glad to have you. And wait, was that was that Louise Estrella I just heard in the background? Oh yeah, it's me. She's <laughs> returned. It's, it's been like three weeks or four weeks. I don't remember anymore. It's been I, like a I month. don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, Louise, it's it's, it's, it's we a pleasure talking. to be here. I'm super happy. We were talking, people are asking about you on, on YouTube oh, in the yeah. comments. People were like, where's Louise Estrella? And I said, he's, yeah. he's still involved. <laughs> Who's this annoying guy who won't shut up about Zelda 2 every week? <laughs> Bring Louise back. Uh, oh, man. Yes, no, we're, we're very glad to have everyone on, especially because this week has been a pretty big one for Nintendo. Um, they've been busy. The fact that Tears of the Kingdom is right around the corner has not stopped them from just dropping random announcements and surprises on us. Um, the big thing we'll be talking about this week is the Indie World presentation, um, where, believe it or not, folks, they talked about 21 games in 21 minutes. Um, I don't know how they did it, <laughs> but they crammed a lot into that showcase. We're not going to talk about the whole thing, uh, but we're going to pick out some of the more notable games that we're interested in. Um, of course, we also had some Xenoblade 3 news this week. Um, we got a release date for the future Redeemed expansion, so we'll be chatting about that. The and, real reason uh, Louise is back. <laughs> oh yeah, Louis, Louise saw this and was like, oh, time to make my, my grand return. Just in, broke down the door. Hey, hey, don't say that because I really wanted to be on the Tears of the Kingdom episodes. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're just giving you a hard time. Um, and of course, this is the week that Advance Wars came out, so we'll definitely be talking about that towards the back of the show. But, let's get started with this Indie World presentation. So, um, so yeah, most of, most of us have seen it. Tom, I know you said you didn't see it, but you, you've been following some of the games that were talked about. Yeah, you know, I went on NintendoEverything.com and got, like, a, a good kind of refresh on, on all ah, the things that were announced in it. Good. So. Very good. Very good. That's what we like to hear around here. Um, well, I guess great I'll, websites, I'll... by the way, Nintendo Everything. Yeah, <laughs> highly really recommend, recommend it. Yeah. You may not have heard of it, um, but yeah, it's it's a place you can visit. Um, yeah, lots of great games to talk about. Um, gosh, I, it's almost hard to tell where to start. Louise, I, let's start with you. Um, when you look at the, all the all the games that were shown off, what has you most excited? Oh, for me, it's definitely Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals. Uh, this game was announced a while back, I think maybe a year or two years ago, I think it's been a while. And then it simply disappeared. Like, they gave us a release window, but uh, the release window just passed and we didn't he heard anything about the game. I was a little bit worried that it would be cancelled or something like that. Uh, but then, no, it just reappeared uh, in this in this uh, Nintendo uh, Indie Awards, and now I'm just super excited to play again. 
I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this series. Uh, the first game is on Switch, Oxenfree. I think when, when it enters on sale, it's like super cheap. Um, and it is a, a narrative-driven game. Uh, it, it is like a 2D adventure. You see those characters in 2D and they are always interacting with each other. Like if you have two characters, they are always having a conversation. Yeah. And what is what is interesting about this game is that during the conversation you have those options uh, popping up of what you say during the conversation. And the interesting thing is that it is supernatural. Like during the conversation you can interrupt what the other person is saying to talk about another topic or to say something completely unrelated or you can just be silent and it feels like a natural conversation you know it's not like those games with choices like life is strange or detroit become human when the game stops and you have to make a decision it tries to be as organic as possible and then you have a lot of different outcomes a lot of different endings to the game uh, it is overall just a great very uh, natural and very suspenseful experience I mean, it is not like super frightening, but it is a little bit, it, ha it has some elements of horror, but overall it's just a very mysterious and interesting game to, to play. Yeah, I, I actually played through the original um, back when it came out. Um, it was actually one of the first games I played with now my wife. Um, we, um, and it's, it's, I completely agree with you, Louise. It's a really interesting take on these kind of choice-based story systems because you do feel like you're just like really just interacting naturally with these other characters. Um, and as all these different layers of the mystery get unveiled and things start getting, you know, a little more tense and a little more, you know, people start, your, your various friends that you're on this island with, everyone starts to get a little more on edge and people are doing weird things or disappearing. Yeah. Um, Supernatural things start to happen. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's all a little opaque, too. So that's where I'm really curious, because I feel like the ending of that game still left a lot of questions. And so the fact that they're making a sequel, I'm, I'm really hoping that it ties up a lot of those loose ends from that first game. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since the first game, so I, I think they, 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 of course, they have a little more budget this time, and I think they also have a little more time to develop and create a more, uh, more complete experience this time, uh, continuing the end of the first game. So yeah, I, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, and this one is also interesting because for a while there was some doubt that it was going to come to other platforms because the studio that's making it uh, night school studio they were purchased outright by netflix um netflix bought them when they were deciding that hey we want to implement more games on our service and so for a while some folks figured are they going to make this sequel exclusive to <laughs> netflix games and no one will play it but fortunately that that is not the case uh, which yeah. <laughs> gives me some relief <laughs> Because uh, this game, frankly, just looks too good to be locked to the Netflix games platform. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, Nicholas, what about you? Uh, what, when you look at the list of games that were shown, what, what has you most excited? Definitely Tesla Grad 2. Uh, at some point last year, I actually played through the original Tesla Grad because I saw that this game was announced, and I'd heard so many good things about the original that it just made me pick me up and play through the entirety of it, and it was very fun. 
and 2 is looking just as good. It already released, I haven't picked it up yet, because God only knows there's already so many things I have to play through. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's been looking good, I think it's been reviewing well. Um, it just looks like a lot more of an expansion on what the original did in terms of the puzzle solving, the mechanics, and everything involving that kind of electromagnetism gimmick, and it just seems really interesting. Uh, what did also surprise me was that they announced Tesla Grad Remastered alongside it, which is a really cool little addition. Uh, I believe it remixes some of the music, enhances the visuals, and provides some more challenge levels, which is neat. Although I am a little confused in the way that they're marketing it on Switch, because the original Tesla Grad is still available, and not only is remastered, uh, does it cost less than the original to purchase on Switch, there also isn't any kind of discount or anything if you have the main game. It's just another separate $10 purchase, which is especially bizarre oh. because on Steam it is like a... I forget if it's something that is gifted to people that have the original, or it's just like you buy it for $1, like you have a special sale for it. And for some reason, that isn't implemented with the Switch version, which is a bit disappointing. Huh. Yeah, that's I was, interesting. I, I was a little confused by that, because when I saw uh, at the Indie Words, I was not like super paying attention. I was, isn't Telegrad one already on Switch? Yeah. Uh, but now I see <laughs> that it is a, a remastered. Uh, but do you think it is like... It, it, the remaster looks way better than the original one because I remember the first one looking already good enough. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd, I would agree with you. Um, it's definitely an enhancement, but I don't think the original struggled in terms of the visual department in any way. Right. So I think this is very much like if you haven't played the game before and you don't want to try it, this is the definitive way of doing it. Or if you're just a real Tesla grad super fan and you want to experience everything that they have to offer, then you would try it, but... I think if you have played the original like I have, it's not necessarily a requirement to play through the remastered version. It's just kind of neat that it exists. Yeah, perhaps a, a you know, the definitive way to play it, but it doesn't look like a huge upgrade for anyone who's played the original. Yeah. So, so you said these are... I, I'm a little familiar with these games, but I haven't gotten into them too deeply. So... They're mostly puzzle platformers, right? And you said yep. electromagnetic-based puzzles? How, how does it even work? Um, essentially, all your abilities revolve around electromagnetism. It's kind of based around this technology where that's like their, their sort of magic, in a way. Um, and so all of your abilities have to do with like turning into electricity to dash through things, or using magnetic Ooh. gloves to cling onto things, or drag things to you. Um, the sequel is introducing several new mechanics as well that I am going to have to learn <laughs> to understand exactly what they do. But it's all basically a power set that involves around the concept of electricity and magnetism. Yeah, no, that's an interesting premise. It's I'm always always surprised by the new ways that <laughs> these game developers are able to create just new types of puzzles that are completely unique. Like I, I haven't heard of that exact type of concept, and like looking at it in practice. To me, it looks just like just like some very interesting ways to traverse the environment is what it seems to come down to. Mm -hmm. um, but theme-wise, it's it's fairly unique. So I'm I'm interested in it. I I think I played a little bit of the first one back on the Vita, but I I never finished it for some reason. So I'll be curious to see how this one lands when it comes out. Oh, actually, well, they're both out. Yes, yeah, no, they both were shadow dropped. <laughs> yeah, which is always nice to see. 
Um, I wasn't expecting them to shadow drop both of them. I figured maybe they would just drop the remastered one, but no, they're both out now. So, yeah, if you're interested in these games, you can go play them right this second um, <laughs> after the podcast. Listen to the podcast first, then go play them. <laughs> um, very cool. Now, Tom, I know you said you didn't watch the showcase, but there was one game that you were quite excited for. Yeah, I have been following Bomb Rush Cyberfunk for a while since it was announced uh, long before this indie world happened. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited to have PS2 games back in modern day, it, that, and that is not an insult. This game has some Gen 6 like vibes, some old school Sega arcade attitude that I've always been you know, excited for. It's kind of like a spiritual successor to um, Jet Set Radio Future on Xbox. And they even brought back the uh, original composer from those games, was Hideki Naganuma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, that's that's awesome. Uh, and the game looks great. Uh, it's coming out on Switch the 18th of Augustus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess Switch is, like, the... F- it's, like, launching on Switch first for, like, a week of exclusivity. It is. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm excited to play it. I don't know if I'll play it on Switch, because... At least with Jet Set Radio Future, like, frame rate was important. It's all about... It's very Tony Hawk-esque, like, roller skating, grinding on rails, and moving quickly through space. Um, and But it looks it looks stunning. I'm so excited for it. Uh, it's got that... I don't know. It got, that, it got an attitude to it that I, I miss, I guess. I mean, you know what? We kind of saw it a bit with Xbox's Hi-Fi Rush recently, too. A similar-esque kind of, like, attitude. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be... I'm very excited. There's not enough rail grinding and skateboard and, like, punk uh, anymore now that, like, Tony Hawk (laughs) franchise has kind of uh, uh, been up and down in the past ten years or so. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of games kind of in that genre. And, yeah, it's so great to see Jet Set Radio getting some love. If Sega's not going to make a new Jet Set Radio game... Well... um, (laughs) <laughs> Did, I don't know if you saw that there's like there's gameplay that leaked, you know, quote I, unquote. I did. Yeah, of of a Jet Set Radio game, which who knows? I want to how- believe, Tom. I want to believe. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, it's just there's really there hasn't been much like it for a long time, and and this game definitely seems to capture a lot of that same energy. Yeah, um, I'm I'm still I'm wondering like. And maybe you know a little bit more about this game than me, Tom, but does this seem like a pretty straight, just kind of modern take on that game to you, or are they doing something different? Because it it certainly looks very familiar. Um, It looks like it's dropping the timer mechanic from the original game, which I'm totally fine with because (laughs) the timer in that game is quite strict. Um, So Yeah. but other than that, it seems like it's, it's fairly similar in terms of overall, like, concept. Yeah, I believe a Team Reptile is developing this. Um, so it's not like anyone related to the previous games except for the composer. But yeah, it does look like they're just like, you know what? There needs to be games like uh, Jet Set Radio Future out in the world. And they're just going to make that. Like, almost exactly. That's yeah. that's my, my vibe on it. But that's great, to, for my opinion. That's, that's uh, awesome. I'm, you're not going to hear me complaining. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited for that one. Yeah, August 18th, so a little bit further out, but not, not too long. I can't, I can't believe we're already almost in the summer months. It's crazy. Um, 
Now, in terms of what I'm excited about, now this this is a little little bit of, I guess, maybe an unexpected choice for some people, but um, so there's this indie game that came out last year called A Little to the Left, and I actually had the chance to play it at um, Summer Games Fest, and I got to speak with uh, the woman who made it, and um, it's it's really just it's such a unique game. It's uh, it's not going to appeal to everyone, but the the whole concept of this game is you are just taking these household objects and they're almost kind of like these little, I, I almost want to say WarioWare style puzzles where, you know, you'll just, a screen will just pop up and it'll show you a bunch of random objects and there's like a certain way you need to figure out to like just organize them or align them. Um, sometimes there are multiple solutions too. So, you know, like, whatever that part of your brain is that maybe likes organizing things and <laughs> keeping things tidy. Um, which I know that sounds weird, but like that is absolutely like my brain in a nutshell. Like I love organizing things and putting things in neat little boxes. Um, so it's, it's a super unique puzzle game. Um, and they announced that it's getting some DLC specifically focused around organizing cupboards and drawers, which, you know, <laughs> again, it's the, it's kind of a hard sell, but um, I, I think if, if you haven't seen the, the gameplay for it, like, go check it out. It's it's charming in, um, in a very specific kind of way. <laughs> I, I, I just love the fact that we came to a point that we can see a video game about literally anything. So people can be creative in the way that they want and there will, there will always be a public for that because there's a public for basically anything. And not only that, but Nintendo is promoting this game. So it's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. And especially, I, I always just admire also just games that are just like so distinct in their concept and are made by a super small team and it's it's good to see them getting some love from these big companies. Um, so yeah, so I'm ex I'm excited for this one. Um, this game is actually for an indie game. It's gotten quite a bit of support. Last year there was also an update where it added it's like a like a daily puzzle thing. So you can log in every day and have a new little puzzle to knock out real quick. So um, that's fun. <laughs> so it's cool to see an indie game getting that level of support. Um, let's see, Nicholas, um, let's, let's do another round. What, what's a, what's another game from the showcase that you were happy to see? Uh, Rift of the Necrodancer, which is really interesting because I've tried playing through Crypt of the Necrodancer, the original game, a couple of different times, and it's never clicked for me. I've always found that the, the mix of having to move to like a specific rhythm was just too not clunky but my brain just couldn't mesh with it it never worked <laughs> so I, I never was able to play through much of crypto the necrodancer i never even picked up cadence of hyrule for the same reason uh but now i'm seeing rift of the necrodancer which in a interesting twist seems like a more traditional rhythm game <laughs> like they've gone from making something that's Maybe not niche, but a pretty out there mix in terms of like dungeon crawling and rhythm game into something that's far more simple, where it seems like a much more straightforward kind of like guitar hero style rhythm game. And that suddenly made it far more appealing to me because I don't play that many rhythm games, but something like that I think I can latch onto uh, far more easily than the gameplay of Crypt. And there's a lot about the game that other than 
other than the gameplay itself, that appealed to me with Crypt, which is why I tried to get into it multiple times. And a lot of those elements carry it over to Rift, where it has, it has great music, it has great characterization, uh, all of the art and designs are excellent. <laughs> I love how... Yeah, the animation it, is great. The animation also. is great. Yeah. I love how the... It looks like they have some very Rhythm Heaven-style minigames. Uh, yeah. It's all just super appealing, and I'm, this is something I'm actually excited to try out, because I think I'll be able to get a grasp of it. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned, Is I was going to say, that's something that they didn't show in this trailer, but that that's what's sold me on this game, is the, the Rhythm Heaven style, <laughs> just these completely absurd, like, totally out of context, like, there's one where it almost looks like you're in, like, a yoga class, <laughs> like, like that's the level of absurdity I like in my rhythm games. It doesn't mm -hmm. need to make sense. It just needs to be like Rhythm Heaven, and you've, <laughs> you've sold me on it. <laughs> and yeah, the, the animation in this game is incredible. I, um, I really actually enjoyed Crypt of the Necrodancer. I, I never played the Zelda one, um, but it's, it, it is a very challenging game, and so I, I totally understand why it may not have gelled with a lot of people. Like, the timing in that game is very precise. And, um, and so it's interesting that the, they're keeping this game under that same brand, even though it does look completely different. Um, and I really wonder how it will tie into it. But, but yeah, it's, it's certainly a unique release, and I'm, I'm always happy to see more rhythm games come, into, come to the Switch. Mm. Um, Louise, what about you? Anything else from the showcase pique your interest? Yeah, so I just wanted to mention because I think it's also like a relatively big announcement for an indie game. But uh, Blasphemous 2, I think, looks very, very good. Uh, the first one was a game that I heard a lot of people talking about. Uh, those who enjoy uh, a nice Metroidvania mentioned that the level design is great, the combat is awesome. And it has a very distinct art style, which looks like it has some Christian uh, references and stuff like that. Uh, at the same time, it has though that very authentic 16-bit uh, look. So it just looks amazing. Uh, I didn't play the first one. I say I know it was super cheap for a while, and I lost the opportunity to actually get it. But seeing the second one, maybe maybe I'll, I'll give a chance to the first one. Uh, from what I heard, it is a fantastic game. Yeah, I have to say, I didn't really know anything about it, nor did I really know anything about Blasphemous 1, but it did pretty much just sell me on what they were showing of the gameplay alone. It's super fun yeah, seeing these kind really of... Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah. It's fun seeing these kinds of like action platformers with this variety and moveset and whatnot. It just seems like a really fun, well-built-together game. Yeah, I've heard it's, a, it's pretty difficult. Um... Yeah, some folks have like said it's almost like a Souls-like in terms of its its combat structure. Um, although you know that word has been used so many times that it's in some ways it's kind of lost its meaning. I feel like, but um, but yeah, it's 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 that that's the reputation these games have, and so I know there's definitely you know a, a subset of folks who who love these side scroll games who also like these really difficult experiences. And that's who this game seems like it's really geared towards. Um, but it also seems a lot bigger than that, too. You know, there's NPCs you can chat with. Um, so it it's, seems more open-ended than your, you know, more, more traditional games in this genre. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious about it. I've never played the original. I think I, I, 
I have a copy of it. Like, I got it for free somehow through... It was probably, like, one of those free Epic games. You know, they give away a PC game every week. So I I feel like I probably picked it up at some point from there. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about this one. Um, and In case anyone is interested, like Luis said, the game, the original game does go on sale. And it's actually on sale right now, it looks like, up until May 7th for, like, act, 75% act off. Fast. So... Oh, nice. There you go. Now's your chance, folks. Um, all right, one more game I want to shout out. Uh, th- th- and this one is just, it's so charming. I, I, had, I had to bring it up. Um, also, any game with a cat, I mean, <laughs> you know, I know that's, that's uh, very simple, but, you know, what's, what's not to love? So this game is called uh, Little Kitty Big City. And I've, I've heard of this game before. It was announced for PC, I think, last year. And um, Nicholas, I think you summed it up well. It's basically like Stray, uh, but much cuter. And you're in uh, a, like New York City-style environment. And look, you're just a stray cat trying to get home. But you can chat <laughs> with the other animals in the city. You can talk with the dogs. You There's... Looks like it's mostly a platformer, but obviously lots of silly cat shenanigans. Um, 100% on my alley. <laughs> Pun has, completely intended. Yeah, it has kind of like a a goose game vibe, but with a cat instead. Which is yeah. this very whimsical, charming, colorful world, and you're just a cat doing cat things. Yeah. Yeah, it's as a cat owner, I I appreciate games like this a lot more than I think I would have before I was a cat owner. <laughs> yeah, the, the um, game looks beautiful. Uh, it's super cute, and I also I also I always admire when the indie developer goes and tries to create a 3D game with a big world because I know how complicated it is to develop something like that. So it looks very nice, and if this is Switch footage, the game also runs very very well on the console. So. It looks like it'll be a, a great experience. Yeah, it looks, looks solid. Um, yeah, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, Louise, because there were a few games they showed off that I was a little worried about. Um, they showed off uh, in the Indie World Showcase that they're bringing over Escape Academy to the Switch, which I think is awesome. Like That, that game is great. It would be a great fit for the platform. Um, but I was watching uh, the gameplay of it, and <laughs> it looked a little bit rough. Are you guys are you guys hearing Nick? Someone send Nick no. an Ethernet cord. Oh no! <laughs> Lock Nicholas, your game hardwired into that router. <laughs> I I left to make Can sure it wasn't Nicholas? just on my end. It, suddenly it wasn't quiet. just you. Well, I yeah. try to stay quiet, just in case he comes mm-hmm. back, and we don't. Have I was to, like, wondering if cut. it was just me, so I was like quiet. Mm-hmm. Wait, did did I cut out or did Nicholas leave? <laughs> yeah, you you went robot. <laughs> I no, not even. It was silent. To me, yeah, yeah, it was silent oh. to me. Right. Shoot. Well, I, I'm saying now it's robot-y, sort of. And now it's uh, robot. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Ay, yeah, yeah. All right. Hang on. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Is that better? It, it, I think it's better. For now. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. You're on thin ice. It was weird. <laughs> Nicholas, it, it showed that you had left. Well, he, he, yes, he did. Because I wanted to make sure was... it wasn't on my end. Sometimes, occasionally, oh. it's done that, where it's just gone completely quiet for me, and I've left and come back, and suddenly it's worked again. 
So I was okay. ma making sure it wasn't something on my end. Sorry, guys. I think you can just continue talking about the caddy game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, Nicholas, I'm I'm glad you you mentioned the performance on this one because there were a couple games they showed during the showcase that I was a little concerned about. Um, one of them, so like, I, I'm super excited it's coming over. Um, Escape Academy, the complete edition. Um, that game is great. It's a great co-op game. If you like escape rooms, there's a ton of content to dive into. Um, some of the puzzles can get pretty tricky, so it's it's a really good time. But um, the gameplay on that one looked looked pretty rough to me. Um, it looks like they really had to just completely like the visuals just look completely different <laughs> from from watching that game run on other consoles. Um, but so yeah, seeing stuff like that really makes you appreciate when a game is well optimized for the system. <laughs> Yeah, usually with those indie projects, I mean, we know that they not have the budget of a big company, so uh, not if, if the game looks very complex, I know that it is already very complicated to develop for a single console, and then to downgrade it for like a Switch or other consoles, it is even more complicated. So usually, yeah, I expect the game to not run as, as nice as it could possibly run on the console, because it just doesn't have the manpower to do that. Of course, yeah. But but overall, I mean, I think this was a pretty good showcase. Um, yeah. Most of the games they showed off were stuff that has been announced in some form or coming over from other platforms. So that, there were a lot of, I would say, completely brand new reveals or announcements in this one. But um, but a lot of variety, and you know, it's nice that most things had release dates attached to them. Can't can't take that for granted uh, <laughs> nowadays. So. Um, so yeah, overall, I'm, I'm glad they did it. I wasn't expecting it them to have one so so close to all these big releases, but here we are. <laughs> I think I think they are trying to equilibrate the show to not have like a big a big announcement that just overshadow everything else. Right. Like I see people a lot no every song. time I'm into world. Yeah, everyone yeah. is talking about Silk Song, and I I just don't see Silk Song being shadow dropped on an into world because I think the game is way bigger. Uh, than just an indie project at this point. I mean, they even made some contracts with Microsoft, so we don't know if even a Nintendo Direct will be when we will find the release date for that one. So, yeah, I think they, they just try to equilibrate so every single game receives a little bit of attention. Yeah, I agree. Um, and they didn't stop at the indie world, folks. Um, <laughs> let's get into our, our headlines, because uh, there was another big announcement from Nintendo this week. And uh, I'm so glad we have Nicholas and Louise on this show <laughs> because there's a lot to talk about with this one. <laughs> um, we got a new trailer for the Future Redeemed DLC for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And on top of that, we have a release date. In fact, it will probably be out by the time you are listening to this. Um, yeah. It launches on April 25th. And, I hope um, so because I have to finish editing this. You play the game. <laughs> you go. That's your motivation, Louise. Get the podcast yeah. done so you can go play it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, they released this blowout trailer that just completely sets the stage for what looks like it's going to be quite the mind-bending expansion. Now, granted, I haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, in fact, I'm, as I'm sure Nicholas will be keen to remind me, I have made a public <coughs> commitment to play, play Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> 1 at some point this year. Um, 
So I, I feel like I did see a spoiler when I watched this trailer. <laughs> so we're, we're not going to go. Hopefully, we'll we'll try to avoid that a little bit. But um, but Nicholas, man, how are you feeling about this? Uh, I don't know where to start. I mean, <laughs> I guess the first thing is like <laughs> random 9 p.m. drop of the DLC, yeah. which is insane. Right? Like, <laughs> just what the are they doing over there, man? Trailer, like I don't. <laughs> but then like. The, the release date, because we had kind of had an idea that it would probably release by, I think, late July, since that's when the soundtracks were going to come out, and the soundtracks would feature music from this game with their track titles, and they probably wouldn't want to, like, spoil elements of the game through that. Uh, so it was probably, you know, it was likely it would release in, like, June, July. Definitely after Tears of the Kingdom, because why would they put something before Tears of the Kingdom? That just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, that just doesn't make sense. Oh man! Uh, you you, all, you got you almost three weeks. Feeling. You got three weeks to play this. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. Two uh, and a, two. Let's call oh it one God. and a half. I you got one finals. week. Finals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, that, also, we don't really know how big it's going to be, right? I mean, uh, well. the story implications are going to be big, but I guess. You know, anything in Xenoblade is not going to be small. Well, it, you know, the second game's DLC was incredibly big. So it was like there is hours. And this is same price, I, yeah, I believe. I, so, I have yeah. a suspicion that this is going to be bigger than Torna. <laughs> so it's probably going to be at least like 40 hours. That's yeah. insane. That's and, a whole game. Listen, yes. Like, yeah. I mean, the, reminder the, that they sold Torna as a standalone game you could buy for a bit. Yeah. Which I was hoping that's what happened with this one, but it doesn't yeah. seem like they're doing they that. I hope it happens in the future, maybe. Because I think... Because, uh, yeah, but wasn't Torna like day one with it? No, they didn't yeah. announce no. it right no? away, I don't think. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. It's but, like, possible, release. but... Yeah. Anyway. Because, like, I think Monolith Softs is, like, working faster than they can print well, physical I do, copies. <laughs> I do think, I think it was reported that Xenoclongress 3 had been, like, done and ready to go for a while. Yeah. And the same thing mm -hmm. happened with Engage. And Engage's yep. final story, big DLC, came out, like, a, like two months after the game came Super out. Super fast, right. yeah. And I think it's just part of Nintendo's strategy of holding on to these games when they're done for a long time. I mean, Advance Wars is another one, right? Mm -hmm. um, where yeah. these games are like been done for a year before they even come out, so they've already worked on the DLC. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. And, different, and like, different circumstances for Advance Wars, but yeah. Yeah, of course. Generally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it feels super fast to be releasing the DLC right now, but at the same time, I think it's the same time frame if we compare Xenoblade yes. 2 to Torna. Yep. So it, it makes sense from a development standpoint of view. And like this time, it's super, super clear that this DLC was developed. Like they decided to develop this DLC with the base game in mind. Mm -hmm. Like to the point where I think the base game hired some information because the <laughs> DLC was already being produced. Because they mm. already had the script for the DLC. Because there's some, some, some elements on Xenoblade 3 where they simply don't explain exactly what it is. And like from the trailer of this DLC, I already see them explaining some stuff. Yeah. So it does feel like they were developed like with uh, the DLC see, in mind. It's, this is, I'm so jealous of Louise and Nicholas here because I played Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I played Xenoblade Chronicles 1. I played 3. 
100 plus hours, loved it. But I would say I understood what was happening while playing it about half the time. And so the fact that <laughs> you're like able to, <laughs> you're about to, you're able to watch this trailer and be like, that's what they meant. That fills the hole. <laughs> when I'm, I, it's all a hole for me. It's all like, I, that was fun. I killed a lot of monsters. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so exciting though, because it makes it feel like this isn't just it makes it feel like this is a companion piece to three and that's finally providing some of the answers that we just very very dearly wanted from that game but on top of that it also seems like it's going beyond that and actually providing a conclusion to the main three like xenoblade trilogy as a whole yeah like it is conclusively ending that saga and that era of xenoblade before we move on to the future and that's just so exciting yeah, I mean, at the same time, I-, I love that. As a fan, I'm super, super happy with all that. But at the same time, I also have to recognize uh, that we are kind of entering Kingdom Hearts territory here, <laughs> where, like, a DLC, it's closing the trilogy, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, we are getting to a point that you want to play Xenoblade, okay, you have to play this game, then you have to play the expansion of the Definitive Edition of the first game, then you have to play the DLC of the second right. one and the third one. Right. So yeah. everything is getting a little complicated, but yeah. as a fan, this was something, played ours. This was something we had <laughs> yeah. theorized on as well, I think, right? Where we had talked a bit about why was it that 3 was so uh, withheld so many connections to the previous games and it's one True. of the things we had talked about in our discussion was like maybe Takahashi uh, is doing that because he wants Xenoblade 3 to be relatively accessible and then yeah, all that, the like awesome. crazy yeah. connecting elements are going to be it in really the DLC is. Yeah. which is exactly what's happening apparently so yeah because most of the connections that the base Xenoblade 3 game has with the first game and the second game are like small nods or stuff that are most cosmetic. So you don't have to actually play 1 and 2 to understand 3. It's more it's more you receive little rewards. So I'm pretty sure that even without playing the second game, Tone was able to understand uh, the, the overall story of 3, right? Right, and well, no, I just said I didn't, so I guess no. But um, <laughs> I do think, like, though... I never played uh, Futures Connected. I played the first game on Switch the first time, and but I never, I never, you know, I, w- I was exhausted by the time I finished it. Right, <laughs> right. So then <laughs> I played yeah. three, right, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for more Xenoblade. Let me finally go back, and going back to that older game mechanics. I didn't find as fun because three's mechanics are so like seamless and mm-hmm. smooth and fun and clear. That, like, playing one after, like, three being your first Xenoblade, I feel like maybe poisons the well a bit (laughs) to going back to the older ones. Maybe, maybe. Because the first game, I had no idea, I didn't know any better as my, you know, as as a game mechanically. And then three is so much more refined that going back to one might be difficult. That's the challenge I have. And, you know, it's the reason why I feel like I'm always so behind on some new releases is because I'm like, shoot, like, I really want to appreciate, you know, these modern games for what they are, so I want to go back and play some of these original games that are just so highly acclaimed, because for that same reason, I know that I'm, like, if I, you know, pick up this modern game, there might be a little bit more of a, um, oh, gosh, what's the right word? You know, like, like, like a barrier to mm-hmm. going back and enjoying some of those older right. games. You're, like, you know, yeah, I've, that, that, I've that gotten does so used sometimes. to it. Yeah. 
It's just a little bit harder when every game in a series is 100 hours long. (laughs) So that's why I'm where where I'm at. (laughs) With Xenoblades, I think it's pretty weird because, yeah, the first game is a little rough. But then you have the second game, which is super complex and super hard to get into. Uh, The mechanics and to learn the mechanics because the tutorials are terrible. And then you have three, which is super easy to get into. And then you have one, which I think it's kind of easy, but it's also more simple. So maybe if you place two or three, you don't want to get back to one mm. so yeah but i think overall uh, what justifies everything is the story so if you really want <laughs> to know the story maybe that will carry you for the experience yeah at least i imagine something like that but it, it varies from player mean, to player of course speaking of the story like everything i don't think we can talk about it in detail too much because there's just so many potential spoilers for you blade one two right. and even three but the story what you could glean of it from the trailers is so so cool there's so many things going on and characters being introduced and characters returning (laughs) riku common variety napan (laughs) yeah yeah it's just so much but at the same time i just want to say to nick uh and maybe to tell also uh it seems like you guys are getting spoilers seeing what is happening in the dlc and because there's stuff that if you play Super Smash Bros, you get you don't even even to play xenoblade (laughs) you know who shook is so uh, I wouldn't call it a spoiler. I for would me. consider I just, myself a fan of this franchise. Uh, yeah. You know, I've played X on Wii U. I played, uh, you know, uh, the remake of one on Switch. I played twenty hours yeah, of two. You played but most of the games. Twenty hours of two, and, and twenty hours in, Nick, I was like, I don't know anything about what I'm doing. Still, <laughs> like, I still don't know what I'm doing. So, I, so that one game, and then and I'm just like, let me just play three, and I ble- beat three. So like, I've played. You know, a good percentage of this series, and uh, yeah, but cl- not the level of I bow down to Nicholas and Louise. But <laughs> right. there you go. Show some respect, damn it. Um, no, and on top of all that, there's they also um, announced the final release date for the Pyra and Mithra amiibos. Yes, so those are those aren't coming until July, unfortunately. But um, it was nice to see those and. I sometimes I forget that they still make amiibos until they mm-hmm. like give an update on one of the <laughs> directs. Oh, like, by, oh, yeah. by the way, by the way, guys, uh, a general question here: in the US, uh, in the in the stores, we still have that amiibo stand where we have like a lot of amiibos in the in the stores that you can buy. Eh, not as much. You'll still have sections yeah. in stores, but they're pretty small compared to what they used to be several years ago. Yeah. Oh, I see. Um, because, like, uh, my father was in the U.S., uh, and, like, I asked him to find some Amiibos to me, and, like, he didn't find it. In Best Buy, in Target, there was nothing. Uh, yeah. And that, oh, that's weird. So, yeah. so right right now, you can... They re... We, for some reason, they reproduce some of the Mario Party line. Like, the Mario, like, line of just, like, Mario and Bowser and Donkey Kong, I think, to go along with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find those right now. You can find a million Metroid... Uh, Dread ones and and Skyward Sword Zelda yeah, ones. For some reason, those are everywhere. I wonder if they overstock yeah. those because yeah. they expect them to sell more. And those are like the those are like the, the the ones you can find right now. I mean, you're talking to an amiibo ex amiibo veteran um, <laughs> who has every single Smash amiibo, amiibo and, trenches. Wow. wow! And every time another Smash amiibo like like uh, Pyramid Mythra comes out, and especially when they're 
they're doubling up on one character i literally like weep a little bit like with the scars of war like <laughs> like get re reopened because i'm like i just want to be done with it i don't i'm i'm like i told myself just finish the smash line and you'll be out and then they kept adding dlc characters <laughs> and and then these diesel dlc characters they're selling two of like pyra and mithra um, but really it's just one purchase yeah. so it doesn't feel as bad right so louise <laughs> to answer your question there is no point in history where amiibos have been abundant and easy to find. Because <laughs> no. if you were in 2014 trying to collect all the amiibos like I was, uh, you were an, uh, you were a maniac. You were an insane person, and you <laughs> oh, were God. you were waiting in front of a GameStop at 7:30 a.m. Uh, trying to get Ness because he's exclusive and he's oh, only going to be available that day. If you don't get him when it opens, it's gone. Right. Uh, so. Uh, it, it hurts to say this, but yes, I'll be picking up Pyro and Mithra. I don't want to, <laughs> yes. though. Well, to me, what's more exciting than Pyro and Mithra is that they announced Noah and Mio Amiibo, oh, which yeah. would which also I... be the first Xenoblade like branded Amiibo unrelated to yeah, Smash, yeah. which is super cool. And I That's really like those also. characters, too, but they're not Smash Line. And I told myself... <laughs> never <again. laughs> we, we already know which way this is going to go, Tom. Just, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's crazy. I I really was not expecting to get all that Xenoblade news in the same week that we had an indie world, and the same week that uh, Advance Wars came out three weeks before Zelda. Uh, yeah, just, just uh, a wild time. I usually, think... usually this first half of the year for Nintendo is like vacant, like there's yeah. nothing. But this this one's like I I don't know. <laughs> It's just been insane. Zelda. <laughs> yeah. I, it's like I, I, Zelda, like, a, wait, a few weeks from now. Yeah, I don't really yeah, understand. A lot, some, people are, some people have been saying, you know, Nintendo, you know, they've been slowing down a little bit. They're, you know, they're not putting out as many heavy hitters. And so that's a sign that the Switch is on its way out and the next console is coming sooner than we all think. But I, just, I really don't see it. <laughs> I, I really don't see it. I feel like they've been keeping up a really steady rhythm of releases and... Um, adding, you know, even if not big releases all the time, adding value to existing games and Switch Online and all that. So, I think they're doing pretty good right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And overall, I just don't try anymore to be predicting what Nintendo will do because, like, <laughs> you know, good. stuff yeah. like that simply happens. You know, Blade DLC yeah. is announced and is releasing week a week later. later. Yep. Uh, yeah. At the yeah. same, uh, uh, with the same mindsets, I, I don't doubt that they may be release a new Switch version. Uh, at the end of the year or maybe next year or maybe no they will release in two years three years i, I really don't know how they plan stuff see i'm, I'm picking up an o my first oled next week so i have no doubt that they're gonna announce the next switch within a month or two <laughs> yeah absolutely 100 percent um yeah so yeah so um one of the other announcements that nintendo made this week was they're adding some more games to switch online uh, specifically for the sega genesis uh, part of the expansion pack um <laughs> and i'm gonna be honest i i don't the i know one game on this list and that is uh, street fighter 2 um i and so i'm hoping i know we have some uh, some more retro experts on here tom have you heard of uh by chance pulseman uh, kid, kid chameleon or flicky Oh yeah, I mean I've heard of them. Pulse Man is a Game mm -hmm. Freak game, yeah. famously. So that's a you know a non-Pokemon Game Freak developed title. Oh, I will wow, say, I that. yeah, yeah, I will say that my Genesis knowledge is not up to you know. I am on a Nintendo website, so I'm not. That's I will true. not call myself. 
Uh, I will not tell anyone. Here. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to tell anyone I've played these games, so I won't say that. Uh, but yeah, I've heard of them. Uh, Kid Chameleon. That's one of the fame. One of the more like famous Genesis exclusives. So. Um, we have enough gotcha. Street Fighter 2 on Switch anyway. <laughs> no, <so>. more. <laughs> you know what's all There's about never them. enough versions of Street Fighter 2. <laughs> Didn't I they mean... literally release like a Street Fighter 2 collection that had 12 versions of Street Fighter 2 or something like that? Uh, I had several, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have Ultra Street Fighter and like... I, I mean, I, I actually was happy with that because I don't have any version of Street Fighter on my Switch, so... Now I finally have one. I don't there know. I think there is an SNES uh, one though. Yeah. I'm. I would be surprised if there wasn't. <laughs> well, they are I, selling I the 35th anniversary. What was the 30th yeah. anniversary collection? Yeah. If you're gonna play Street Fighter, just get that collection. You get all the games. Yeah. So. A lot of people recommended that because it has like one, two, three, and like all the different versions. Uh, yeah. Alpha and, like, and right. Yeah. 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 But I. I also. Uh, like it's it's nice to see that they're actually updating that part of the the switch online service i i didn't expect sega to be so like giving us so many games because they have their collections and stuff like that but i think we we actually have a, a good amount of nice games right here uh, i don't know if you guys remember but when the expansion pack uh, of the switch online was announced people were like rioting on the streets people were completely uh, very unhappy with Blood the price and stuff like that but seeing seeing right now if the if all the games from the 64 and the gba and the gb and how they are always updating it actually looks uh Okay, I think it's. I, I'm not complaining about the price that I'm paying on my like. I have a family it, subscription and it's like super cheap. So right, it actually is okay. Okay is as but as best as I'd go though with it. Okay, <laughs> um. yeah, like the the online services still is really bad in most yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, I and think like I would, the I would... the other companies are offering way better stuff. Uh, Sony with the the PlayStation subscription mm-hmm. and the Game Pass. Right, I yeah. haven't dabbled too much in the Genesis lineup. I play, you know, there's some great games like uh, Castlevania Bloodlines, one of the best oh, Castlevanias. Yeah. Uh, Streets of Rage, I think, are on there. So, like, there's some really solid games on the Genesis selection specifically. Yeah, I think I just wish personally, you know, it's great that they're they're updating these, but I think I would, you know, they're they're basically they're doing one platform a month. It seems like they're like, all right, this month we're doing Genesis. This month we're doing. And yeah, one N sixty four game, you know, and I kind of just I wish if they're if this is how they're gonna do it, I wish they would consider doing like all right, here's you know it's May now we're gonna give you you know one N sixty four game, one really good Game Boy game, one really good SNES game, you yeah, know, yeah, and, and like keep all the platforms updated, um, rather than just these dumps just for you know one and I, I time, I, but. I don't like how they they frame those games. Like they really want to give those games a uh, super spotlight. Like they announced Pokemon Stadium on the Switch Online, and it's like those this big thing in this game. But it was kind of playable on the Virtual Console already, and it it is an old game. So it would be nice to have these games in a well, faster. Yeah. Look, you brought up you brought up a pet peeve of mine that the Stadium games half the games are unplayable because you can't. There's no Pokemon Red or Blue to. <laughs> Sync yeah. your game. like, like that game's designed as like post-game content for those original games, and so like you enjoy the mini games. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Uh, I think they could plan that better. And uh, 
Could you imagine if they release like Nintendo Switch 2 and they are like, okay, we have to re-release all this <laughs> this service all over again oh, with God. each game coming every. I, I don't think they would do ever something like that again, but. Oh, yeah, you I just say that like always, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt also. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's um, yeah. We were just talking last week though about how it's it's you know I was enjoying going back and dabbling just in some some random NES games, and so it's I I won't complain that they're adding these games because I'm like you know who knows one of these days it might just be like a Tuesday night. I don't want to get into a big big new RPG or something. You know, just pop on and uh, play some Flicky on Sega Genesis. So. You, you won't. You won't. Have a great time. <laughs> There's no way he does that. Zero yeah. percent chance Nick is it, playing Flicky it could on a happen. Tuesday night. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, one thing uh, no one on Switch will be playing soon is Paladins, because that game um, just announced that they are dropping uh, full support for that game. Um and I, I wanted to bring this up because uh, I know none of us really here are huge uh, multiplayer, you know, online shooter game <laughs> game fans. Um, gosh, that really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? But um, it's notable because this is the second time this has happened in like two weeks. So this company, um, High Res Studios, they have quite a few games out. Um, they make they publish a lot of these types of multiplayer team-based you know MOBAs or FPSs um, and Paladins came out on Switch I want to say fairly close to the console's launch um, and they also had another one that they put out a few years ago called Rogue Company and within the span of just a few weeks they've announced that they're they're delisting these games they're shutting off um, Switch support so the games will still be playable but the the only console that's being having its access revoked is the Switch, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're citing the main reason being, you know, technically like we understand that these ports are not really up to modern standards, and we're not really able to improve them at this point. Like they're kind of hinting that the the gap between, you know, the Switch version and the versions on other consoles was, is just getting too big at this point. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because you would think that if they were where this would be a problem, they wouldn't have poured the games as is in the first place. But you know, yeah, I mean, it's probably more related to the number of players who yeah. are playing it, right? Because yeah. like, if, if there was enough people playing it, maybe they would still keep it uh, working. Uh, I just feel that also the overall fever of those free-to-play games is kind of... Not that it is completely over, but I think usually we see more people still playing just those big names, you know, like Fortnite. Yeah, 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 I think it it got oversaturated. And even if, Mm -hmm. oh, the game is free-to-play, like you you can just download it and play it. I think a lot of people simply don't want to. so yeah i see and looking at the switch i think a lot of the time the switch is not the first choice for those uh, hardcore players there are probably the majority of people who are still playing those free-to-play like paladins which is a game that demands uh like you understand the game and they want to play in 60 fps and uh, st- stuff like input delay so usually i don't think the switch will be the first platform of choice for a lot of people and then 
it just makes sense to drop the support when there's not a lot of people playing it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a tricky situation. It's made a little bit more complicated though by the fact that um, w I remember specifically when Paladins was first coming to Switch, they originally launched a. Uh, it was not a free-to-play game at first. Originally, you had to buy like one of those founders packs to have access to the game. So there are people who spent money just to get access to this game at one point, and it's completely going to be delisted now. You know. Yeah, it's, uh, that's yeah, really that where sucks. I have more of a problem with, you know, especially with these free-to-play games where people have spent money on them. All right, uh, one more story I want to make sure that we hit on um, before we move on to some of the releases that came out this week. And uh, this is an update on the story uh, from last year around this time where uh, Nintendo was suing uh, some folks from um, Team Executor, which... For those who aren't familiar, um, they are a company that were selling uh, devices and also producing software um, that would make it easy to get into your Switch and... Um, I, I don't know what the proper term is, but essentially it was a way to basically enable homebrew on your Switch. And um, they were filing charges because they were arguing that these tools could be used for piracy, which is true, um, but at the same time, there were also, there is also a homebrew community on the Switch, and so there was also an argument um, for that. The other component that made this whole case just really tricky was that they were going after this one particular person, uh, Gary Bowser, who, um, who was involved with the organization, but was not by any means like the main person. Um, now, the outcome of that case was he uh, was found guilty and he uh, was um, sent to prison, um, but it came out this week that he was uh, released early on good behavior. Um, and the, but the thing that was a little shocking, I think, to some folks was that um, he, just, he owes Nintendo just a massive amount of money as part of yeah. this case. He owes them like $10 million. And he, he was saying that he's going to have to be paying Nintendo roughly 25 to 30% of his income for the rest of his life, which is just, like, just kind of crazy. Mm. Um, and I know this is a complicated subject. Um, people have a lot of different opinions on piracy and everything. And um, my, my personal opinion, I'll just say this, is that it, to me it seems strange for a company as big as Nintendo to essentially go and target one individual so aggressively and essentially, you know, ruin this guy's life, even if what he did was wrong from a legal perspective, you know, Nintendo is just concerned about the financial implications, right? It's all about yeah. money. So mm. I don't personally think that this was the right way to deal with the situation. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what you guys think. Like, uh, uh, because... Right, what he did was wrong, and I think he actually got money from it. So he actually yeah, got money with uh, another with another company property. However, right. uh, when I see, I'm not a lawyer, all right. I'm I'm not <laughs> even I don't even study the law, <laughs> but I think <laughs> this uh, this uh, this value that he has to pay has something to do with like they they argue. I think that 
he this is money that Nintendo could have got if he did not help to develop something that could make uh, games run on Switch for free. Like, he actually uh, made Nintendo not get the money that they could. And I just think that this is not true, because because someone uh, homebrewed their Switch and put some games in there, that does not mean that this person would actually buy a game. Uh, especially in like third world countries like the one where I live in Brazil because a lot of people just use homebrew because they do not have money to actually buy the game so it's not like this guy managed to to make Nintendo lose 10 billion 10 millions of, of dollars or something like that you know I, I don't see that direct correlation but yeah that, that guy's life is basically ruined and he has to pay to a company like it's not even a person he has to pay to a company for the rest of his life and i i, I just to me that's really really weird and like over video yeah. games not like <laughs> pharmaceuticals or something i also heard uh he has to play on original hardware for the rest of his life so, uh, actually he has to play exclusively on so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you cannot play em an emulated version of Zelda. You have to do. You have to deal with latency on MSO or get yourself an NES. It's the only option. Like when, when he tries to download oh Dolphin on his PC, it just doesn't work. Like ex ex <laughs> only on his PC. <laughs> no, it, no, it's that the swat. He gets swatted like immediately. <laughs> that his ankle bracelet starts beeping. <laughs> Oh, oh wow! We've we've crossed into dangerous territory. I've I've yeah. gotten us off the rail. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, it's man. I don't know. I I feel like it was. It just seems like a timely topic right now because, you know, with the 3DS and the Wii U eShops going down, a lot of people have been very open about the fact that like, hey, these consoles are you know, basically dead from Nintendo's perspective. So. A lot of people are basically taking it as, hey, this is free reign. I'm gonna go, you know, mod my system, you know, install all these old games since they're not even available to be purchased anymore. I know it's a little bit different with the Switch because obviously they're still making money from that system. But at the same time, I just, my general philosophy is I just, I, I don't think we yeah. should give companies in America the power to ruin people's lives. Yeah. Well, um, you know, his name so. is Bowser. <laughs> his name actually is Bowser. So I think right. they're making an example out of him. And to be serious, making an example out of him, a legal example. Yes. Yeah, as to yes. scare anyone away yeah. from doing I mean, this. I do think the, the actual sentencing is a bit harsh. I also think there's been a lot of um, painting Nintendo as like the giant evil overlord cracking down on this poor innocent little fellow <laughs> and it's i mean to some extent right. he is yeah. you know relatively insignificant i guess in that respect like monetarily but he's also i'd have to double check the reports but i remember reading that for one this is not the first time he's been um written up basically for doing this like this is a repeat offense of him conducting behavior like this and there were also situations mm, right. where um he would break the switches that were hacked if the people paying him didn't deliver a certain amount or something. There was some additional oh. stuff that makes it kind of hard for me to feel too bad about this guy specifically, even if I feel the sentencing is a little harsh. Yeah, so. I think we all agree that he did he did he did a lot of stuff wrong. Yeah, uh, I yeah. just feel that because it's weird to see that he's paying a company, right? Mm -hmm. So. 
it's not even money that is going to the government or something like that. He's literally giving. Uh, Nintendo has this uh, passive uh, income <laughs> for years right now, <laughs> just of this guy. So it is kind of weird. He's going to pay yeah, for I, the I future of Nintendo play. Switch Sports. It's nowhere near <laughs> as bad as EA making players sign an arbitration clause in their terms of service to play their games. So if their kid oh, gets addicted and spends a billion dollars on virtual cards, they can't sue because they signed away their right. Uh, anyway. Oh, oh my gosh. This yeah, company so. is in my rights. Yeah. So it's not yeah. as bad as that. It's not as bad as that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's all kinds of, of legal weird things happening right now. It's it's all a bit of a mess, but um, well, I think we we should probably get back and focus on some of the games because this this right. was a pretty big release, uh, a, a pretty big week for game releases. Um, definitely the big release of the week: Advance Wars One Plus Two Reboot Camp, finally out now after substantial delays. Originally was supposed to come out. December 2021, if I remember correctly. Um, got delayed until the spring of last year, and then um, with everything happening with the war in Ukraine, Nintendo decided to delay it further. Um, but it's finally out now, and uh, it is a big, meaty package. If you uh, have never played an Advance Wars game, or if you're revisiting it, there is a ton of content to dive into in this one. Um, and Tom, I know you and I have, have both been playing it a little bit, um, normally I would talk about this toward, towards the end of the show, but it's just, it's, it's just such, such a cool release from Nintendo. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to, to play more of it. I've only put in a few hours, but, um, this one, this one will be keeping me busy for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I am, my head's on a swivel of another war breaking out, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because of this game's release. Uh. Well, I mean, fun fact, the original game came out on September 10th, 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you yeah. didn't know that and was delayed and packaged in Japan till in 2004 with the second game so the J Japan got the one plus two treatment originally with this series so this wasn't a, like a western only series for three ish years and uh, with this original game and they bring back the original and the second in this uh, package yeah I mean it's exciting that it's here. Uh, it's developed by WayForward, um, so it's not like Intelligent System had anything to do with this release. Um, WayForward kind of updated the visuals, got voice acting, tweaked some of the mechanics, but that original game is just, well, the first two. I would say the original game is a tutorial for the series. Mm, I, don't, wow. okay. I, do, I do think the original game, while very good, um, almost as like too worried about it being like the Westerners first game in the franchise. Cause this is a long running franchise, right? Famicom Wars, Super Famicom right. Wars, Game Boy Wars. I heard about it. So, so this is not the first game in the series, but this would be the first game in the West. And so I think there's a, just like when the Fire Emblem came to Game Boy Advance the first time, they added a whole like prologue, like easy, like tutorial prologue to the Western version of it. I feel like Advance Wars 1 is kind of doesn't have the story scope or the or the system scope of 2 even 2 and when you get to 2 like 2 is substantially improved in so many ways mechanically and from scale and, and narratively that um, that's like the meaty part of the package one is like to get you just in love with the gameplay which it is a great formula 
of like chess like strategy no rpg you know no no characters right. like like um fire emblem right it's it's more like chess pieces and there's like a headquarters that's the queen if you take that down you win automatically or you can just just you know take out every piece and and win that way um yeah you can't I, you can't start it. oh i've been sacrificed you know one <laughs> of the major tips and hopefully there'll be a guide uh, uh helping you out for any newcomers to the series from from us at nintendo everything on our channel sacrificing the apc units uh is like a number one strategy for for anyone to, <laughs> to get through because for some reason um abc units being the the unit that you can load infantry into nick yeah um, yeah and uh well for some reason the ai like has like <laughs> like uh, like uh, like the hots and you can like pull in like a, ma a medium tank barreling for like that the rocket <laughs> if you put an apc unit in range it's gonna hit the apc unit it doesn't care it doesn't like, doesn't matter what like the threat a, like is a without fail thing or is yeah that's how the, the the ai of advanced wars one is like obsessed with the apc unit and so huh. okay. if you're ever in a tight spot like <laughs> Just throw an APC unit in the range of the attack, and you'll be safe for at least that turn. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I do so, really love, yeah. you know, this is my first time playing Advance Wars ever, and that's why I was so excited for this package, is because it's, it's a blind spot I wanted to correct. And um, one of the things I love about this is, you know, I've played so many strategy games where the main element of the strategy is, I mean, the positioning certainly plays a part of it, but you you were thinking about things like elemental attacks or, you know, I have to, you know, get ready for my, you know, big special, you know, screen clearing attack and things like that. The game is mostly about positioning, which I really like. And I, I think your comparison to chess is great because I spend most of my time when I'm coming up with a strategy for this game, most of my time is spent looking at enemy attack and movement ranges compared to my own attack and movement ranges and trying to find like a sweet spot that I can like nestle in a rocket launcher or something. And so it's it's very refreshing to me compared to, I guess in some ways you could say it's more simplistic in that you, you don't have a ton of different, you know, weapons and things like that that you have to balance, at least not in this first game, which is where I'm at right now. Um, but I, I like that I, you know, just kind of, you kind of just zoom out, you look at the whole battlefield, you're like, all right, you know, where can I, where can I pinch off my opponent? You know, where can I kind of sneak in some infantry units? It's, it's really compelling. Yeah, there's a puzzle gaming, you know, ness to it, right? Like, unlike Fire Emblem, where there's a lot of, like, RPG player expression, it's your characters you can choose, and you build them, and you kind of develop your team. Right. You have a limited amount of units, if you have a factory, you only have a limited amount of money, and there is like a, a solution in mind when they design the maps and the enemy placements, and it's about figuring that out and and optimizing it through replay. So, and, and there, there's ways that it's, I like that more, but also like, man, I do miss like, you know, that RPG kind of personalization to the strategy element that Fire Emblem has. But it's it's a different thing. It's just different. They're very different games, even though they're both in the same genre. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this, if someone's not into Fire Emblem, they could be into this game because it's so different. It yeah. sounds like this is an amazing game to play, like, on portable mode. 
like because I don't have the attachment to the story in the game. Why oh, you will, you will, Louise. Like, you, will, you will when you pop open and Sammy and Andy and Max are there and they're they're so charismatically <laughs> silly and fun <laughs> and they're they all they're all doing goofy silly stuff and they're cool and then it gets real all of a sudden. You'll you'll get an attachment very quick. They're in the great character design, great characters. They got voice acting now. Um, I've always oh, the loved. Animation is awesome. I've always loved the the characters in these games, the commanding officers. Now you you don't play as them; they're kind of in the background. Um, mm-hmm. But they do give the game a personality that that makes it like Saturday cartoon fair, and so totally. Saturday morning cartoon. And, oh, that sounds and, fun. Yeah, you'll love the, you'll love them immediately because they're very yeah they're very like designed now. Nick, I want to hear your... I know we're going long here. I want to hear your thoughts okay. on the visuals, though, because I am a little disappointed on the actual game visuals, and especially the animations for the battles are, like, the frame rate tanks every time I turned off the animations because it takes so long and it looks jittery, and I just oh, turn really? off the animations completely and get to the action because I do think the, like, Unity 3D aspects of this game pale in comparison to the like otherworldly beautiful sprite art that was intelligent systems in 2000 i mean fire emblem on gba advanced wars on gba are like industry standard like pixel art and animation and i come to here and this is like poorly optimized a little like i don't know generic 3d unity engine like stuff obviously the 2d animation stuff is great but i'm curious what you think about the visuals yeah i am you know for my part i'll say i haven't really noticed any performance issues maybe i just have been it's when when you enter combat and then that black bar comes and you attack like in that cinematic sequence oh yeah that's that is when it dips and not only do those those animations take a while anyway, but then there's like slowdown. It just takes so long to like do a battle. I have more fun just turning off animations and getting through quicker. Gotcha. I'll have to look for that because um, I haven't noticed it during my my limited time with the game so far. Um, honestly, I I like the art style. I can completely understand where fans of the originals are coming from in terms of it feeling a little more generic and losing some of the personality. I can I can totally see where they're coming from. Um, I I think it's charming, honestly. I think that even if I would actually maybe like a little bit more like detail, like if they're going with this art style, I don't know. I think they still could have done things to make the maps feel a little more a little more dynamic, or you know, make it feel a little more. Um, there's a little more action going on, you know, shifting to this. But I don't really mind the Toyland aesthetic. I think they did a good job with it. Um, I really like the subtle animations and like when you are watching the cinematic battle sequences, um, there's just, there's little details like the way the little people in the tanks will like point and gesture and right, yeah. missiles launch. Like I love, I love little stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I would be interested to see, to, to play through one of the, older games and have that as a point of comparison they're they're um, gore the gorgeous the ds ones amazing looking i mean one and two look great too like it's definitely a series worth playing original hardware as well because it is very different but this package you're right though you can jump right into two if you want you can skip one and yeah. you get two great games 
um, for the price of $60, which is the price of three, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's a little pricey, but all the online function, all the online functionalities in this game, I don't know how well it performs, but the map builder is in the game. All that right. stuff that I could see there's a like, legitimate community around, um, which there's a great video documentary on YouTube about, like... I, uh, this the community the advanced wars online competitive community and how they've been still like playing and back in the day they were playing on like a browser that one guy <laughs> made and would have and would update like every like day and so you wouldn't even you would have to like refresh the page what the next turn was and t games would last like years um but they loved it Ooh, you know man. so uh i do like that part that they committed to those parts of the game because I could have seen a version of this game that just cuts out the online, you know, just, yeah. no, we're just not doing that. Just, you get the main games and that's it. Yeah. I think that would have been completely fine, honestly. Um, just because there is so much content, but yeah, it's nice to see, um, it, the local co-op intrigues me. I, I'm curious how, how that would work. You'd really have to have someone who would really knows this type of game like it's not you're not just gonna whip out advance wars at your next family gathering and be like all right guys everyone uh you know take turns on each turn but um but yeah it's a it's a good package and i'm i think for me it's gonna be one of those games where it just kind of lives on my switch alongside mario kart and all that and just you know whenever you're craving a little dose of strategy just pop in and you know crank out a few battles um, seems perfect for that. Or um, you can play Minecraft Legends, right? Or or Minecraft <laughs> Legends, yes. <laughs> yeah, there were some other games that came out this week, believe it or not. Um, yeah, Minecraft Legends is a is a pretty big one. Um, I my understanding is that this is more of a real time strategy take on the Minecraft genre. So you are kind of controlling different groups of what they're called mobs in Minecraft. You're con controlling, you know, different types of soldiers and navigating around real time, defending bases. There is some level of building mechanic, but it's not not the focus in this one. It's it's more based around combat and um, defending points and all that. Um, I've heard good things about this one. It's not really at the top of my priority list right now, um, but I'd be interested to to check it out at some point. It's a strategy game renaissance this year. I can't even, I can't, like, it, it's crazy. Like, I feel like every week you guys talking about another strategy game on the Switch. Yeah. And... It's hard for me to even yeah. view this as a strategy game, though. It just looks so different. <laughs> like, the real timiness, like, the you just riding on the horse at the head of yeah, basically it's definitely an army. An, it's an RTS. Yeah, it's sure. like, it's, it's an, super interesting. Yeah. It's not all what I would have thought some... would be, like, a Minecraft spinoff. I don't know because I didn't saw proper gameplay or I didn't play the game, but it, it isn't like a little bit like Pikmin where you have like a horde of characters and you can let them to attack. I don't places. think so. I think it's, I think it's more like a defense like game, tower right? defense. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, oh, okay. More okay. of the points I get. Um, I haven't heard but, any Pikmin comparisons, but I guess it's possible. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's, I mean, it's also kind of cool to see that despite Microsoft owning the IP, they're still supporting other platforms with it. Mm -hmm. Probably just because they know oh, it'll sure. make a crap ton of money, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll take it regardless. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it's they're they're doing a lot of these spin-offs. Um there was also that one that came out a few years ago, I think it was Dungeons. Minecraft Dungeons. Yeah. yeah. Which I heard was a pretty simplistic take on the action RPG formula, but um, you know, you're gearing it towards kids and potentially in a younger younger audience, so that's kind of where this falls for me, but I have heard some folks say that um, the strategy is, can actually get pretty in-depth. So, um, so yeah, if you're a Minecraft fan, this seems like it should probably be on your radar for sure. Um, now, if you're not planning on uh, playing the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 expansion, or maybe anything else for the foreseeable future, um, there is the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Collection. Um, that brings you a whopping six Final Fantasy games to enjoy. The first first six games. Um, and uh, we talked a little bit about this one on a, on a previous episode, um, so we won't spend too much time on it. But, yeah, you can now play almost every mainline Final Fantasy game on the Switch, which is yeah. crazy. Like, what, what, do we just, what do we figure out? It was everything except for 11 and then 13 onwards? The, thir- the 13 trilogy, yeah, basically. Um, so, the, and I mean, talk about a perfect fit. I mean, having all these games in one package on the Switch, if you're really looking to go back deep into the origins of this series, now that they fixed the font, you got nothing to worry yes. about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm really, I really want to play six. The only Final Fantasy that I play was nine, uh, on the Switch also. Mm. So I'm curious to know more about the series. I want to play six because that's the one where Tetsuya Takahashi, the producer of the Xenoblade series, actually oh my gosh. And, <laughs> and his wife also. So oh, six it's a sounds marriage. interesting to me. <laughs> I mean, not all these games are great. I mean, maybe two is probably a little like a little divisive, but uh, these are all like all-time classics, <laughs> and uh, I think they're all probably gonna. This one is kind of feels. Uh, I don't know if like it, the Switch version is worth the price if you if the font bothers you too much. Uh, yeah, Seventy five dollars worth. Yeah, yeah like fifteen each, right? Or do they sell them individually at twenty? Oh, you know what? It might be. I think the bundle is oh, like. A I don't know in dollars. Yeah. A discount, but as much money as they can get away with. Yeah, the, yeah, which like the I, I, ones, which is interesting. What was that? More uh, more expensive than the Dragon Quest ports, which is interesting. Well, the Dragon Quest ports are are mobile games. They're, they're they already had made those ports. <laughs> I mean, so are these though. The phones. Yeah. Yeah, are. but <laughs> no, but the, but that came out like all like these are new, like the mo- the Dragon Quest ones, the old mobile ports. Like these were yeah, made newly for mobile yeah. and Steam recently. Mm. Sure. So. Um, though you're right, you are right about that. <laughs> I think I think though uh, usually Square Enix ha- has some sales on the eShop. So I yeah. To answer your question, uh, Final Fantasy one and two are twelve dollars each here in the U.S., hmm. and then the others are eighteen dollars. Oh, okay. so okay, gotcha. Bit that of a discrepancy, sense. but I guess it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, one and two are yeah. much shorter uh, games. Right, so. right. It's not the only NES ones though, are they? I believe three is an yeah. NES game as well, hmm. but it's a longer game. I mean, if you look at Dragon Quest, like right. four is like three and four are like insanely longer than one and two. So they were able to kind of. What po- is? What was that? Uh, what is the one where we actually start to get like a, a proper story? Like in Dragon Quest, three, right? Or Fire? Or, or, no, Final oh. Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, like 
a more developed story, <laughs> I would say. Hey, okay. The story's good in first one. The second one has a crazy story where you like go like the the villain like becomes king of hell after you defeat him once and he comes back and like um but probably like 3 and 4. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, 4 here a lot. Yeah, if you're looking for like one of the more modern entries to start with Louise, I I really love 12. I think 12 is one, I haven't played all the Final Fantasy games by any means, but of the ones I've played, 12 is really solid. Um, it's it's really different in, in some ways. Like, if you really like um, how Xenoblade handles its combat, I based on what I know about Xenoblade, there's, there's some similarities in terms of um, how the combat plays out. So it might be worth a shot. I do own 12 on Switch. I, I have to get to that eventually. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend it. Um... I'm gonna switch gears here, uh, literally, to a racing game uh, that just came out. Uh, people are calling it uh, Disney's version of Mario Kart, which <laughs> mixed feelings on that whole sentence, basically. <laughs> uh, but Disney Speedstorm um, came out recently. Now, this game is gonna be free to play at some point. Um, right now, you can buy access to it via a Founders Pack, um, which. That whole model just kind of confuses me because you could easily spend, oh, yeah. you know, thirty to seventy dollars on this game right now, and get, you know, not by any means a feature complete version of this game, or you could wait six months to a year <laughs> and get a free version that might have more content but has worse monetization. Money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really understand. Um, I. I'll say I like the idea of this game, right? Like, I like the idea of... Yeah, me too. There's so many, like, great, like, worlds that they could set as courses. Like, I know one of them is they have a whole track based on Monsters, Inc., where you literally, like, you know, you start in the factory from that movie. You go through the doors (laughs) and transport into different worlds. Like, I'm like, that's cool, you know? Um I think it's just the the, monet, the monetization model of this game is just making me a little wary. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, also, I think I, I still have some doubts about Gameloft. Uh, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt to see if they can actually develop a nice and fun racing game for consoles. But, uh, yeah, it makes me a little uh, scared of what that game actually is. Uh, did you play the game or no. heard anything about it? No, <laughs> I'm not touching this game. It's I mean, evil. Because, it's predatory. If Mickey I Mouse. Like, I mean, Nick. I mean, Tom. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Oh yeah, Mickey Mouse. He's coming for your money. Okay, your Mickey Mouse's pockets <laughs> hit and run are oh, nice and I big. Mean, but he'll laugh uh, and smile at you while he does it. Uh, I'm laughing. I mean, Mario is the same thing, right? <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, like. It just is so hard to to copy Mario Kart, like the the Chocobo racing game that I I, I swear I was expecting a nice game and then the game <laughs> hey, released. Hey, Louise, I know how you don't do it. Make it <laughs> free to play with microtransactions. That's <laughs> yeah. not how you copy Mario Kart. Mm. Okay. I mean, didn't the the from Chocobo the, GP like that mistake already happened? Yeah. And here we are. Again. And the Crash game by Activision too. Well, that was like, okay. It, it, I, I mean. Yeah, but it, yeah, at launch, it was, at launch okay. it was unfinished. It was buggy and people couldn't play it much. Uh, on, on oh, I see. Just but like, didn't the 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 live simulation Disney game actually works? I, I didn't play uh, it, but I heard Star good things about it. Star something Valley, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah Stardew but, Valley. No, I, Nick, <laughs> Dreamlight Valley. Yeah, Dreamlight Dream Valley. Valley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that one was actually a good Although, game. based on what Dennis said, the Switch port was not. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Dennis was yeah. abysmally disappointed by the Switch look, port. Look, I, I have to come down, I somehow have to come down hard and be the truth speaker on, on the podcast. No, that's good. And, we need some this, accountability around here. This game. <laughs> dude, stay away. Yes, yeah, especially involves Zelda 2. <laughs> Look, Don't I'll say I'll say this. Once it's free, I'll probably check it out because I'm a sucker yeah. for a good card. Yeah, you, you are I've a sucker heard. for like like good deals on online games like Avengers, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, okay, well, well, I try and be well-rounded. All right, I, I like you know. He plays Avengers before Xenoblade. <laughs> okay, listen. I think my reasoning is is it works for me. Okay. Well, so that I game's about to die. Guy. So you have a limited amount of time to get to it. Uh, it's about yeah. to die. Well, well, I'll be, I can't wait to hear about Paladins next week. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Oh man, the shaming here. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Podcast. I I I. I, I, you know, uh, I put a bomb. I set ablaze the podcast. For a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. Um, but on that note, let's talk about what we have been playing um, this past week or so. Um, Tom, we've already talked about Advance Wars quite a bit. What else have you been playing be- beyond that? Anything that's else you mo- mention? That's mostly what I've been playing. Um, though me and, and Nicholas share a game, so I'm going to let him talk about it because it's his first ah, time okay. playing it. Um, but uh, So go ahead, Nicholas, because other than go that, Advance Wars is pretty much it. Right, so I've done a few different things this week. Uh, I finished New Super Mario Bros. Wii. I tried Monster Hunter Sundrake because that got a, a title update, Shadow Drop, which was another thing. Whoa, like, really? Yes, the, the day Did after Future Redeemed, there was a Monster Hunter presentation, and they just Shadow Dropped the title update, releasing the same day. So that was another thing to just keep me busy. Um, but the... <laughs> I, I was being sarcastic. It's not surprising to me that they are still updating Monster yeah, Hunter Rise. Yeah, it's getting one more update. <laughs> and then it should be done. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the main thing that I've been playing is uh, the original Legend of Zelda for NES through Nintendo Switch Online. Yes. Uh, and I went ahead and I completed regular quest and completed second quest because I had never oh. played that before, and so I just wanted to be able to take that off my backlog and also have that experience. Wow. Um, I appreciate it for what it is. <laughs> I do like it. I think it's fun. Um, it definitely... It's interesting to see the roots of where so many games have come from. Just the idea of like the dungeon crawling and the exploration. It feels... Very frustrating for certain bits. Uh, I don't like the dungeon crawling experience much. I think the overworld, aside from the fact that some of the... Some of what you do is a little obscure and some of it still feels a little experimental. Like, the idea that you can lose money from finding a secret door feels off oh it's hilarious it's right so but funny. from a game design perspective like, it feels like it discourages no, exploration that is the funniest thing in the world when you bomb <laughs> you find a secret bombing wall and the guy goes you broke my door give me 20 rupees that is <laughs> that is the funniest i don't even care if you're i don't even Man. get mad because it's so funny <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I think it was Miyamoto fun. really lost that sense of humor, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was lost on me when I needed to grind money back up to get a blue ring. 
Well, that's the thing. You said you don't like the dungeons, you like the overworld. I'm flipped. Like, the overworld to me is like the grinding backtrack place, mm -hmm. and the dungeons are like the really focused, <laughs> yeah. linear, like well-designed, like challenges. I think my I issue with, with the dungeons is more so some of the enemy encounters just feel like it's too much. Like, certain rooms where you have six whiz robes and like four or five of the little orbs that take away your shield your sword for a little bit it just feels too much like i'm playing pac-man with 17 ghosts <laughs> yeah but that is to, to be fair i think that's like dungeon seven when they throw the yeah. wizards at you so you hopefully like you know you're you're but were you, are you using bombs in combat i am are you using bombs i am trying to that's use how you in deal combat. with that but even then it, it's still you have a limited stock of bombs and so many of these dungeons you need to be bombing the walls to be able to find their secret passages and if you run out right. of bombs then you just have to exit the dungeon either get really lucky and get bombs off an enemy or exit the dungeon and go buy more bombs yeah how did you play this game um like, partly like, using a guide was, not the entire way through because i still wanted to try and have a fresh experience but whenever i got too stuck i would just look at a guide to try and figure out where to go um hmm. Also, a little bit at the start, just to have an idea of what I could do from the get-go. I did look through the manuals for the game, so I had I tried to base myself more off of that than an actual, like, fully written walkthrough. Um, <laughs> I definitely ended up needing a guide for the later sections, though. <laughs> yeah, especially, like, early on... If you're not, you know, there's a lot of things you can just immediately get yeah, that'll make crazy. your time so much easier. Like the like the sword upgrade and two two or three heart pieces you can, you can get before the first dungeon. Yeah, you can you get can, like literally yeah. everything in the overworld before the first dungeon, except for like two heart containers, which is wild. It's open world. It's open world. Yeah. You know, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Look at this. I know people have made that comparison before, but there really are a lot of kind of shared themes and ideas between the original game and Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it was fun. I enjoyed my experience in the end, even if it, <laughs> I had a few gripes with it. I still really enjoy what it is and where it came from. And I also started playing Zelda Two. I'm not super far in that yet. Yes, I'm gonna try and beat it before Future Redeemed. But so far, I'm enjoying it more than Zelda One. I think just because it's something are. different, and that makes it kind of fun and entertaining. Yeah, of course you're having more fun with it. It's a great game. <laughs> also, I agree with you, Tom. The music is a banger. Oh my gosh. And Koji Kondo who? He's not even the composer <laughs> for the Zelda 2. Oh, Music's great oh, in the first game, too. Mm -hmm. I will say the dungeons in one are... I. There's, like, no puzzle solving except for bomb walls. Like, it's all combat like blocks, or, yeah. like rooms. And, pu and pushing a block once you've destroyed all the <laughs> enemies. walking through... Um, tangible like intangible walls in second quest just randomly uh well sec yeah second quest is uh i don't like second quest as second much quest as makes everything very game. obtuse yeah second quest is like actually like nes like obtuse and <laughs> and the original game is, is just you know i i feel like the original game gives you enough hints right um uh but what i like about the dungeon is i you only have to start bombing walls. You only have to in in, in Dungeon Five. So, you don't it, it, the first four. You really don't have to do the bomb walls tricks very much, um, or at all. I don't think it starts getting required in Five. Yeah. But I love when you're like you're roaming the dungeon and you don't know where you're going. You don't have the map yet, and you hear the boss <laughs> right, screaming from, from off room. screen. Like how like atmospheric is that? Mm -hmm. Like you can hear the like the Ganon beast. 
monster just screaming off screen so you know as like a game design thing you know you're close to the boss but too like yeah as like an atmosphere thing it's like super like i don't know i think it still hits hard even though no, it's 8-bit it nes cool. 40 years old yeah. or whatever like it's still like really it feels great That's like awesome anyway Zelda one's really good <laughs> Zelda one's really good and uh yeah minimal guide just kind of get you started minimal guide is always yeah. I would my, be, my advice i would be interested in trying to replay it without a guide at all just to see since i that, have some of that experience what that would turn out to be but yeah i imagine you'll have a tough time with uh death mountain uh the last dungeon because that is like staircases god. everywhere no, yeah like, spectacle rock is spectacle rock oh my yeah. god <laughs> that one i went through half of it without a guide and then I'm, i just decided i cannot i cannot do this <laughs> i still get lost in that one sometimes uh, yeah it really makes you appreciate just how how far you know just world design and being able to communicate things to the player just how far that's come yeah. and to the point where you know true you know. Well, okay you know um, i think it communicates it pretty well though <laughs> you know there's only four places in in the room you can bomb and you then you got the you got the hints of like where all the rooms are adjacent to it uh, it's not like um What's a game that's really like bad at like it's like Castlevania Two where it's like you have to like kneel at the like cliff and then a tornado comes yeah, like guessing like, all the time. Sure. This is you know this is Miyamoto we're talking about. There is a lot of good stuff um, when it comes to like oh, telling yeah, the no player doubt. how to like direct them through. I think some of the the hardest one is the graveyard trying to figure out where the magical sword is. There's like no hint mm. and there's like four hundred right. graves and there's it's like it's in the graveyard somewhere. It's like <laughs> so I got to push like, every right. grave. <laughs> See you in a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. No, this is a great time to be digging back into some of those classic Louise, Zelda have you games. played have you played the first Zelda at all? Or or Nick, have, have you played it? Uh I played the first one uh on the three DS. I think I did like three I don't I I made two or three dungeons. I, I don't remember exactly. Uh I remember having a lot of fun with it, but I wasn't able to continue because I was having some issues with the difficulty and stuff like that, but I, I definitely has to have to revisit the the first Zelda. The second one I played just the beginning, and <laughs> I didn't like That's too much enough. because <laughs> I think no, I, I had some issues with the combat. Like I was dying for the, like the first enemy in the game. So I, I think I have to uh, dedicate a time to actually understand and play the game how it's meant to be played with the second one. <laughs> I guess that's another thing is I wish I wasn't in a rush to finish it before Future Team comes out. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That you just want to. I wish, yeah, I had the time to do more like organic exploration. Yeah. yeah. Well, luckily so my... Zelda Two is more linear. Mm. It's not open world. You know, there's there's gates that you have to get right. a certain item to progress. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, for, Louise, for my... if I oh go go ahead, Nick. Sorry, I well, apologize. I, was I asked say, you I, too. For for my part that like i've i've played it but i've never beaten it like i've i've gotten i feel like reasonably far into it but it's been so long since i've even tried to get back into it that um i'd be let's interested say, to try it again well let's say somebody in this call let's say they make like a a, a beginner's like guide to beat the game <laughs> on nintendo everything's youtube channel like uh, would you consider it then uh because yeah. yeah, of course sure. zelda 2 is i mean zelda 1 like when you know how to play it, is it like a two-hour game? It's really short, like two, maybe three. Like it's very. It, the Zelda Two is much longer. Um, yeah. 
And so once you like feel confident, like it, you won't have to worry about being such like a time sink. I, I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Okay. Well, I will watch your no, video awesome. when it comes out, and uh, yeah. then maybe I'll maybe I'll give it another shot. Zelda month next month. Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole channel. Oh, Zelda content. Yeah. We're That's getting cool. Zelda content. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plan. Um, very cool. Um, Louise, anything else you've been playing that you want to shout out real quick? Yeah, so it's been a while since the last time. So for a lot of those weeks, I was playing Fire Emblem Engage. Uh, I think I actually finished the game. It's been a week already. Uh, great game. Great experience. I think I already discussed here in the... In the podcast, uh, I think the gameplay is close to perfection. It's really, really fun. So good. Uh, also, the characters. I love the characters. There's a lot, a lot of characters. Um, and it was kind of hard to choose which ones to use. But still, it was a, li a lot of fun. And I I I'm a casual Fire Emblem player, so I'm not like making all these crazy stuff and tactics. I play normal. Uh, the only thing that I turn on is the permadeath, because I think that's part of the Fire Emblem experience. But uh, the game was actually really, really fun. The story, I think I enjoy a lot of the cliches that the story uses, so just just for using it, I, I have some nice moments. Overall, the, the writing is not that good. There's a lot of moments <laughs> where you're like, uh, I think... You're like, all right, I, sure. I, I, never, I never skip dialogue in any of the JRPG I play, but there are moments mm. in this game where I like... Mm, I think but Bonds! I, I skip this dialogue. I, I wore out... No, Louise, I wore out that skip button with playing that game. I wore... That start button stuck now. It's, I was skipping it every single time someone opened their mouth. Yeah, the writing is definitely not the best in the series, but overall, I think it's it's a fun experience for sure. Yeah. Um, my plan right now was to play Minish Cap until Tears of the Kingdom comes out, but then yeah, <laughs> Nintendo messed my plans, and I'll I'll keep playing Minish Cap. I did the first dungeon. Uh, I I have a lot of fun. Like for for now, it's just the the classic 2D experience, like similar to a Link to the Past to. Uh, to Link's Awakening, that kind of style of gameplay. I think things will get weirder as long as I uh, go more into the game. Um, but yeah, right now that's 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 when I, that's what I'm playing, and uh, I'll play until Future Redeem is released, like two days from now. <laughs> They're messing things up in a good way. They messed up your schedule yeah, in the yeah. best way. <laughs> no, it's yeah, I'll definitely return to Minish Cap after Tears of the Kingdom. Look, Minish Cap's a great game. It's you know, it's directed by the Tears of Kingdom director. So like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's Hidemaru Fujiyabashi. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, well, by the way, congrats on beating Fire Emblem. I, I assume a maddening run is not in your future. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's but like a I, whole other ball game. <laughs> a lot of my friends recommended me to play on hard, yeah. but I don't feel that. I, I mean, I could play on hard, but then I don't like to lose any character, so I'd be restarting the battle well, a lot of the time. Look, so luckily, I made a beginner's guide that will help you out with oh. that. It's already on the channel. <laughs> it's already out. It came out this month. <laughs> so if you need, if you sounds like on fire with the contents, right? Yeah. Seriously, look, look. this would be a guide for every game at this point. Hey, well, I because I argue that. Especially this game, because the gameplay is so good. The harder difficulty actually like, refines the gameplay a bit more. But I do want to warn you, I, as someone who's bought the DLC pass and then played a bit of the story content from it that just released, like I am very disappointed in the DLC in this oh. game. So I don't really recommend that. Um, the the Valzinolog, you feel the story is not... Like it's like a alternative reality. The, story's like okay. the story is okay. It's actually the gameplay. 
Oh, I see. I that see. that really suffers in the DLC, which is unfortunate because I love the gameplay and they kind of did some crazy weird stuff to it that really hurt, I think, the experience. Um, it's almost like untested for higher difficulties. Um, and so it's kind of impossible to play the way I want to play a Fire Emblem. So I, I warn against the DLC... Versus just doing a replay on hard difficulty if you want to if you want more content or don't because that takes a lot of time and you have plenty of games to play. But anyway, I just <laughs> yeah. wanted to warn people about the DLC. I I, I, I was pretty. I I trust Xenoblade more with the thirty dollar game like DLC pass, but with Fire Emblem, yeah. this thirty dollar pass it, it was it was a big disappointment for me. So no, no I've heard that sentiment echoed a few times. Um, yeah, because, and I think I mentioned something too, uh, just the idea of, you know, this whole game is just based around, you know, you're going to find, you're going to unlock new, you know, basically spirits of these old Fire Emblem characters, um, and then, but we're going to lock some of them, the ones that you might be most excited for, we're going to lock them behind DLC. Yeah. Well, well I will say, I will say, Nick, I will say, Nick, that the DLC maps that you play to unlock those characters are like the best maps in the game <laughs> <laughs> like they're like really creative interesting maps i'm only talking about like the fel xenolog specifically um it's actually really fun to play those maps but unfortunately you yeah you get a character those characters are locked behind those maps but the maps themselves are actually really fun right well that's good that's good to hear at least um for my part this past week, and uh, Tom, you may not approve. I know there's some other games I should be playing, but, <laughs> but I wanted to check it out. Because, look, I, I don't understand the decision-making process between <laughs> N- Nintendo and their uh, game trials. I, I really just don't. I, I'd like to sit in on one of those meetings. They're like, we could offer up any game as our next Switch Online game trial. What should we pick? And they're like, I, I know. Let's pick a Star Wars uh, first-person shooter from, like, 2002. <laughs> that seems like no, yeah. the perfect... Uh, no, you know what? I approve. Play. I played this game growing up. So it's, it, You know what, Tom? I was very surprised. Like, I had a great a time game. playing this yeah. game. Yeah. I, I, um, but, Nick, and one thing yeah, I just have Tom. to... I also want to know decision-making, because this game is $7 on the eShop. <laughs> A free trial yes. for a game that cheap it seems a little silly too, though. Like, like it, it does. It, well, it's on sale right for now. What I it's think worth, in Norway though, it's fifteen. Um, that's only the game trial in the U.S. In Europe, it's fast RMX, which right is probably a little better, although still a bit odd. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, this I I'm really enjoying this game. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a massive Star Wars fan. I mean, I've seen all the movies and. I certainly enjoy the games, but um, I'm not, like, super deep into the lore. But the concept of this one is cool. The idea that you're playing as a, you know, Republic elite soldier, basically, and you're you're on the front lines. Um, it takes place during the, the Clone Wars kind of story, um, but it's a totally different perspective on it. And what's cool about this is it's a, it's a tactical first-person shooter. And so you have a, a squad of three other kind of elite uh, commandos that you're, um, and you don't have direct control over them, but you can command them to do certain things. You can be like, all right, um, I want you to go and set up position to go snipe off some enemies. And I need you to go, you know, slice 
through this door for us so we can get through before this place explodes. Like, so it's 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 a first-person shooter, but it, it feels very different to play um, because if you just try and go and you know run through and just shoot everything yourself, like you're you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> like. This game is relentless at the pace in which it is like throwing enemies at you. And sometimes the enemies will not stop spawning in an environment until you have like met whatever the objective is. So just trying to shoot everything doesn't work. So it's, it's really interesting. And I, I haven't played a first person shooter that plays like this one. Um, it certainly, you know, shows its age visually. Um, the, and the shooting is not the tightest thing in the world at this point. It's, you know, kind of typical of the era. You're not really like aiming down your sights at all. You're just trying, you know, <laughs> trying to align your, your gun reticle with, with an enemy and hoping for the best. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm glad I tried it. it. It's not the type of game I would have ever thought to buy. So there you go. <laughs> No, I respect that. That's a that's a classic gen what, Xbox game, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that was in the era where um, you know LucasArts was making their own games, you know, and they were pretty well renowned developer. I don't think this game's like an all time classic, but it's definitely a solid solid romp, especially if you like Star Wars. I think it's you know it's it's the non canon Star Wars, right? It's the apocrypha. It's the <laughs> it's the sure. it's the Star Wars lore that Disney will not recognize or talk about. Um, sure. Uh, but, apparently, though, well, you you say it's not considered like an all-time like best, but um, from what I've heard, when people talking about the game this week, people are like, "This is this is one of my favorite Star Wars games." And I'm like, "Well, oh, as a wow, okay, I'm talking about like in the canon of video games. Yeah, as a Star Wars uh, game, sure, this is probably sure. one of the best ones. Yeah. Well, again, this was the an era where a lot of Star Wars games were really good. You know, right? Uh, right. GameCube launch title. What's it called? Um, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, shoot. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of the, like that, these were like technical powerhouse, like impressive kind of game games. Uh, yeah. So, Night Thrill Republic. Mu- the music in this game is also notable because um, it's, it's, was one of the first times, I think maybe if not the first time, that they introduced like more vocal elements to like the Star Wars soundtrack. So you hear... Like all these like people like, you know, chanting and singing like operatics and it's, um, it's really like the atmosphere in this game for something um, from 2002 is just incredible. I feel like, so, so yeah, this is a good slate of a uh, of games that we've all been playing. We've all been busy. Um, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know this episode has run long. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening and supporting our podcast. If you like what you hear, please give our show a rating on the spot on the oh, Spotify is great, but on the podcast platform of your choice, um, those ratings really help us out. And if there's something you'd like to see in a future episode, please let us know. You can leave us a comment over on YouTube, or you can send us an email. And our uh, our show email uh, is in the show notes over on YouTube as well. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And we will be back at you next week with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. See you guys next time.